turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. When we allow ourselves to question what is taught in the Bible, that is the shortcut to denying God's word. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. Today we're continuing our study in Genesis chapter 3 in a message titled, Where Sin Began, talking about the blame game. Let's jump back in. Yes, the serpent deceived Eve. But how did he do it? Well, the first thing he did was question the word of God. Has God said, and does he not still do that today? See, here's the thing about the devil. If it works, he continues to use it. I mean, it's like, if it works, use it. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. How long has that one worked? It's worked for a long time and messed up a lot of lives. So when something works, he keeps using it. So he keeps using this one. He questions and makes you question what God said. Has he really said that? Really? Do you really think, come on, do you really think God meant that? I mean, God's a God of love. He would never send someone to hell, right? He would never judge someone. I mean, God's a God of love. He didn't really mean that people are going to be separated from him. I mean, what did Jesus really mean when he says, oh, they came to me in the last day and they said, Lord, Lord, didn't we do wonderful things in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me, you cursed creature. I never knew you. Oh, now, did he really mean that when he said that? Maybe, maybe you misinterpreted it. Yes, when we start to second guess the clear teaching of God's word, when we allow ourselves to question what is clearly taught in the Bible, that is the shortcut to denying God's word. I mean, look at the chaos in America. Crime is skyrocketing. It's up almost 200% in New York now. Who wants to go to New York for a vacation? Uh, Not me, okay? Why is this skyrocketing? It all started as our core beliefs that were founded on the principles of God's word have been eroded and completely abandoned. It was Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president, that said this quote, All the good the Savior gave to the world was communicated through this book, the Bible. But for it, we could not know right from wrong. All things most desirable for man's welfare here and hereafter are to be found and portrayed in it. Maybe that's why they're tearing down Abraham Lincoln statues right now. It makes no rhyme or reason what the world is doing right now. Notice in verse 3, when Eve quoted God, she said, Well, God said that we cannot eat of this tree or touch it. Wait a second. Hey, Eve, wait a minute. Back up. God didn't say that you couldn't touch it. He only said that you could not eat it. This is why it's very important to never misquote God. I wonder if that didn't help her to eat the fruit because at first the devil questioned the word of God 
Then he denied the word of God as he pleaded with Eve, pleading with her, you're not going to die. Oh, come on. Eve, think about it. You're not going to die. You'll become like a God. Maybe as she touched it and nothing happened because she said we couldn't even touch it. Well, God didn't say you couldn't touch it. So then when she first touched it, that was the first step. And she's like, well, nothing's happening to me. Maybe that made it easier to then go ahead and take a bite. And notice it said that it was pleasing to the eye. You know, we always have the forbidden fruit depicted in books, or many times it's depicted in stories and what have you, as a nice, big, red, luscious apple. But, you know, it could have been something that we don't even know. Maybe that fruit tree is not anywhere else in the world. It was only in the Garden of Eden. Maybe it was uh, transparent. You know, maybe it glowed in the dark. Maybe it pulsated. You know, it's like, who knows? You know, we don't know. But it was probably pretty tempting because she says it was very appealing to the eyes. And so it could have been something we've never seen before. And notice what the devil's first temptation was to man. Okay, just. Make sure you put that in your mind. What was his very first? What is the temptation here? The very first temptation, the one that caused Adam and Eve to sin. What was it? You can become like God. Isn't that the very thing that tempted Lucifer, Satan, the devil, the serpent, the star of the morning? Isn't that what caused him to get booted out of heaven? He wanted to raise up his throne above God's throne. He wanted to be God. So what's his first temptation? It's like, you can be like God. What does he tell Mormons? You can become God one day. What does he, I mean, it's like, it's the same. I mean, this is insane here. He's still using that one today. As many religions teach that you can become a God or, or come into a higher consciousness. Eve allowed compromise in her life. She was separated from her husband for a moment, hanging out at the forbidden tree. Know this, the longer we hang out in those forbidden areas, well, I'm just kind of hanging out. I'm looking, but I'm not touching. The higher the chance for falling in that area becomes. I wonder what compromise you might be allowing in your life here today. Do you think that you're stronger than Adam and Eve? Are you stronger than them? How long before it engulfs your life? Yes, Satan knew how to tempt Eve where she was weak. See, now we're not giving, we're not giving all the details on scenarios. I mean, Eve could have been hanging out every time Adam took a nap. She could have went over to the tree and looked at this incredible fruit and maybe she leaned towards it and smelled it you know maybe it smelled beautiful the aroma who who knows how many times she was at that tree before the serpent showed up notice how satan was calm he was very consistent and he was very extremely convincing he knows how to tempt us and he will tempt us with the lust of our flesh he knows how to tempt each individual in a way that will be the most tempting for you because he knows what allures you. I've heard of people that have been heroin addicts for decades, and I don't get it. It's hard for me to understand that. How can you put a needle in your arm and do this and throw your life away for decades before it finally kills you? I don't get that. 
So he doesn't usually come to me and try to allure me with heroin and shooting things in my arm. But he'll come to me with things that I'm weak to, just like every one of us has weaknesses. And Satan knows what those are. And he knows what tempts us. So he doesn't come to you if you don't have any problem with alcohol. He's not going to tempt you with alcohol. If you don't have any problem with pornography, he's not going to tempt you with pornography. If you don't have any, you know, temptation with, you know, going and sleeping with somebody else, he's not going to tempt you with that. But if that allures you, oh, my goodness, guess what it's going to be? Front and center. Front and center. It'll be right there in your life because that's what allures you and he knows it. So all of us are different. That's why it's so easy to judge someone that you don't have that particular problem. And it's like, I can't believe that person. How could they fall to something so stupid like that? Because you're not tempted with it. But then when you see someone fall to what you're tempted with, oh, the poor brother. We need to pray for her, that sister. You know, because why? Because you know how it allures you and how you have to keep guard. See, so we have to do, it's no surprise here what happened then next to Eve because she could have been hanging out of that tree multiple times. So it's no surprise. You see, what happened as soon as she ate, it's exactly what God said would happen. Because she ate, her eyes were open, she felt guilty. Then Adam comes, hey, what are you doing? Here, have this, okay? Then he eats, okay? And they both died spiritually, that is. They died spiritually. Know this, everything that God says will always come to pass. And then their eyes were opened and a whole new world came up to them. And what was that whole new world filled with? We ate and yes, it came into another dimension. And what did they see? They saw guilt for the first time. They saw shame for the first time, their nakedness that was so beautiful before that was just, oh my goodness. Now they were embarrassed of their nakedness and all of a sudden they're filled with emptiness. What is this emptiness in me now? Their innocence was gone. Don't we as parents hate when we're, our children are so small, they're just babies and they're just an innocence and they have those little smiles and all that. And then they become two. And the innocence goes away because all of a sudden we're seeing this person and they're fully defined. You're like, don't do that. Don't do that. I just remember my one daughter not mentioning any names. They know who they are though. And if she was sitting there with her cup, you know, of orange juice and, and she would spill it on purpose. And I remember, you know, looking over at her, I'm like, don't do it. And I just, you know, don't do it. And she's just looking at me and I'm like, don't do it. So I get up and I get over to her and I get like six inches from her. She goes, huh, on the carpet. And I'm, you know, and it's just like, ah. And you just hate when that, that innocence goes away and total defiance comes in. Which brings up our point, shifting the blame. Let's read what happens next here. Picking up in verse eight, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. Oh, what a bummer. Okay, so all this goes down. I mean, all the, okay, man, we're, we're filled with guilt and shame. We're, we're covering up like, okay, you know, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, all of these things. And in the cool of the day, and God's walking around, it says, and the man said, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse nine, then the Lord God called to the man and he said to him, where are you? 
as if God didn't know, okay? This was an opportunity for repentance, by the way. Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, well, who told you that you're naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I command you not to eat? Here's another opportunity to repent. That's opportunity number two. You know, have you eaten from that? He says, the man said, well, it's the woman that you gave me. <laughs> it's like, and she gave it to me from the tree. And, uh, uh, and I ate it, verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, eh, it's a serpent. You know, he deceived me. And I ate. Everyone's passing the buck here. Right when you think it can't get any worse. Because you're like, all of a sudden, like, oh, no, we're naked. You know, it's like shame, guilt. What are these feelings? Emptiness. All of this stuff is inside of me. And then all of a sudden, here comes daddy. God, our, our maker. Daddy's in the garden. And he's looking for us. And God said, Adam, where are you? As if, again, he didn't know. But nonetheless, it's an interesting question. Where are you? I wonder where you are today. Where have you been? Where have you been spending your time? What have you been doing in your spare time? That's a question. How's your relationship with the Lord going? We must realize that the question, you know, was not asked by an angry tyrant God with a club in his hand looking, for, you know, looking for his lost children. But rather, this was a longing of a loving father seeking the repentance of his wayward children. And again, let us not think for a second that God didn't know exactly where they were and exactly what they had done. He knew exactly everything, just like he knows where we've been and what we've done today, along with everything that we've been doing. What drove Adam and Eve into these woolly bushes? What made them jump behind the bushes and cover up? Again, it was the shame. It was the guilt. All these confusing thoughts now and emotions that are all over the place that I don't understand. Emotions they've never up to this point have experienced. Yes, they tried to hide. But just like us today, there was no place to hide from the creator of all things. And now the very DNA of the very first man And the very first woman, down to the the very core of themselves, has now been corrupted. It's now tainted. Their once sinless bodies have now been contaminated. And because of their sin, that sin is now born into every single person. It's born out of them. Their children, their children's children, their children's children's children, all the way down to you and to me. We've been contaminated. That sin is now born into every single person. Now, some would say, well, why did God allow that to happen? I didn't ask for that to happen. I didn't ask for me to be born with this contaminated sin nature inside of me. 
Because God has given to each of us our own free choice. And don't pat yourself on the back thinking, well, if I was in the Garden of Eden, I wouldn't have done that. Oh, you probably would have done it sooner than Eve did it. It's like we would have all done it. It's like don't, don't sit there and think we wouldn't have. Meaning, you know, listen, God has given us each a free choice. And we can choose to follow him or not. And if we didn't have a choice, then we're nothing more than robots. We're just programmed beings that just, you know, occupy planet Earth. God gave Adam and Eve the freedom of choice. God certainly wasn't overbearing in the garden. I mean, good grief. All he told them is, look, there's only one rule here, just one. There's not a list of the Ten Commandments. It's not the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God that's got 613 commands in it. It's just one rule. you got... Who knows? Hundreds of fruit trees in the Garden of Eden. There's one tree. Don't need this one tree. You can have everything else in the garden. You can do whatever you want. You can go ride the the back of a line. You can do this. You can do whatever you want. Just don't need this one tree. But that's what they did. And they died spiritually, just like God said they would. But now God is seeking for repentance. But all that he found was blame shifting as Adam throws both his wife Eve and God under the bus. Yes, God, it's the woman that you gave me. Everything was fine when I was all here walking around by myself. I take a nap, I wake up a rib short, and there's a naked woman in front of me. Everything was good until she came into my life, but we still use that one today. Everything was fine until I married that hairy beast. My life was bliss. Everything was perfect until Bozo came in and he's disrupted everything in my life. Everything was good for me until my wife and her head spins around and she changes her mind and I don't know what to do. See, this brings up our final point. Now there's going to be some punishment that's dealt out with this. Let's pick up and read what happens next in verse 14. It says, and the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, oh, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, which makes it kind of sound like maybe he walked in and he had to slither out. Who knows? And dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. We'll get to that in a minute. Verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth, and in pain you will bring forth children, which every woman here knows that has has had children. Yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. We'll look at that here in a minute. Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return 
Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, talking to the triunity of God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground. So maybe God didn't want them to live forever in the, with the sin nature. So he said, you're out of here from which he was taken. Verse 24. So he drove the man out and at the east of the garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turns every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. That's why no one's been able to find it. Well, we'll stop there. Tremendous amount of information there. Let's just break it down quickly here. So there are four judgments here, right? Four judgments. Did you get four of them? Four judgments. Number one, the serpent gets judged. He'll get crushed by the seed of the woman one day. Number two, the woman will have great pain and childbearing, but that is soon forgotten, even as Jesus said in John 16, 21, it says, whenever a woman is in labor and she has pain, because her hour has come, but when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that the child has been born, which I have personally witnessed this. It's like I remember my wife in our first, and she says, ah, we're never doing this again. I'm like, okay. Okay, we're good. One and done. Okay, we're done. And then I remember right after she had the baby and she was just looking at the baby. Oh, there's your baby. And she says, we need to have another. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> it's like, so it's very true. Okay. But then God said to the woman, her desire will be for her husband and he will rule over you. Now, how does this occurs? Well, in the Garden of Eden, we looked at this last time, God uh, you know, made Adam. Adam was given in charge. He was the supervisor of the Garden of Eden. So he's in charge. And then Eve was made after that. And what was Eve called? The helpmeet, one to complete Adam. So in the Garden, Adam was the head over the woman in the Garden of Eden. And and when Eve was created, she was the helpmeet or the completion to Adam. And so a man is not complete without the woman. So she completes Adam. It never changed the fact that Adam was still the head and she was under that. But there was no bucking the system there because there was no sin nature. Now her desire will be for her husband. Now, it's in a negative context. Her desire will be to rule over her husband. Her desire will now be to, to rule and control her husband instead of just being the helpmeet that comes alongside and wants to, uh, you know, complete her husband. Now it's like, I'm going to battle the rest of my life now as I'm going to try to control and rule over this man. But God says he will rule over you. Oh, and do we not see the frustration today? We are a woman, hear us roar. We can do anything a man can do, but better. And I will say that there's many things that women do that do it better than guys. I, I will say that. But, uh, but there's still an order in God's economy. And, and God says the man is the supervisor of the home, and that's the order. And when you try to upset that, then it just brings many problems. This is the third cursing. Adam was cursed to work. 
plowing the fields, dealing with the weeds, you know, working by the sweat of our brow. So from Adam and Eve, all the way up to about 50 years ago, uh, 90% of the workforce was men. Men worked and women had the great honor and privilege of running the home and raising a godly offspring. And, and that's the way it was up until about 50 years ago. And then these last 50 years, we've turned everything into a two-income culture. And you poor women now still have to run homes. You still raise children and you work. It's like, you know, there's just a, a lot more has been put upon poor women. But, but this was the curse that was supposed to be only for the man. Now women have joined the, the, the curse of the man by working. But what was the fourth curse? The fourth curse was on God himself. For he himself is going to pay in the future the ultimate price to redeem man back from the clutches of sin. That's all the time we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word. That's Core Church LA to seven seven nine seven seven. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. 